Hello, my name is Charles Kojo Van Dyke. I am the host of Alternative Convos. Alternative Convos is a discussion show at the intersection between social cohesion and social change in Africa. It is an alternative platform, a safe space for alternative views. Today's guest is Jim Chick Formujong. Jim is a Cameroonian-born development practitioner. He's a seasoned communication and knowledge management specialist. He currently works with the West Africa Civil Society Institute as the head knowledge management and communication. He's had stints with Song Poussin, Jean Cameroon, and Summit Magazine as a journalist and international correspondent. He's an alumnus of the Coventry University based in the United Kingdom. So you know we are an excellent company today. Today's discussion point is how can locally-led development create thriving communities in Africa? Welcome, Jim, to my podcast. Thank you very much, Charles, for this uh, unique opportunity. And uh, it's a pleasure to be a part of this wonderful podcast that is touching on very important issues. And greetings to our wonderful listeners. Thank you so much, Jim. It's such a pleasure having you on, on my podcast. And today's conversation is something that is very topical, locally led development. But I want to start with, you know, a bit of uh, something about your background and how you got into development. Well, that's a, a very important question. Um, actually, um, when going to secondary school, I actually studied um, sciences in high school in particular. However, I had this, um, I have this creative ability. So while in secondary school, I yeah. used to write for the, you know, um, writing club. Then okay. I went to the university. And yeah. in university, I initially began with natural sciences. Oh, okay. You know, uh, but it was a little bit challenging for the first year. So I didn't perform well. And it was okay. in a French, you know, um, university, you know. Okay. So most of my lecturers were, in, were were French speakers and it was a bit challenging for me. Yeah. So after the first year, I had to rethink, do I really want to continue with this or I want something else? Yeah. And so I still, I went now to understand what the Faculty of Letters in the University of Chang was offering. And okay. interestingly, I was interested in studying African letters. African letters. Yes. Is, so that, is that like African history or? No, it's like, Understanding the, the the cultures of African writers. You oh, know, okay. So it's literature. Literature. Oh, wow. Okay. So when I went, uh, you know, to the admissions office and they did some interviews, yeah, they discovered because I didn't do literature, yeah. you know, in secondary school and high school, I couldn't. So they recommended sociology as my first okay. and psychology. Wow. So when the list, I think I registered late, so my name came out for psychology, and then I was like, okay, I have no problem. My mother you know, is or was a teacher and she used to tell me about the IQ and stuff like that. So yeah. I went into psychology. And interestingly, for me, that was the eye opener because while in psychology, and I really want to extend thoughts to our lecturers, Dr. Padi, yeah. Professor Fomba, yeah. um, Professor Pangop Allen, particularly Professor Fomba, there was a course titled Psychosocial Extension, which basically... Psychosocial Extension. Psychosocial Extension, which Perfect. basically explored what communities wanted and how 
development providers you yeah. can interact with communities to make sure these um, community dwellers get the most out of what they really want. Right. So, so I got interested in that course and I was aiming now for working, you know, to work with non-governmental organizations, international and right. non-governmental organizations and Lo and behold, that was my uh, the, the, the entry point. Entry point in yeah. terms of the interest, and then when I finished, um, 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 first uh, um, I had my first degree. Then I went to do uh, a postgraduate uh, studies. Then the opportunity to intern in Waxi uh, popped up, and when I saw it, I applied. I was yeah. selected, and I came to Waxi. And for me, Waxi opened my mind. You know, yeah. to West Africa, to Ghana. Sierra Leone, what society organizations are doing in these counties. And, and then I related that to, you know, the little experience I had in Cameroon. And for me, that was the point that I said it's within civil society. And since then, that was 2009. Till date, I've had the opportunity of, you know, having, serving in different capacities with right. uh, the West Africa Civil Society Institute and also supporting society organizations right. across West and Central Africa in diverse ways and in diverse areas. Like communications, proposal writing, um, knowledge management, and amongst others. And like they say, the rest is history. That's right. <laughs> Excellent. So, I mean, let's get into the whole subject, locally-led development. And this is something that uh, a lot, there's been a lot said about it. Um, so let's try and demystify this whole concept from, from where you sit and from your experience, how would you describe, uh, locally led development? That is a very important question. And I will, I basically appreciate it to be, you know, initiatives aimed at improving the lives of people of a community. Often it could be an, a deprived community, enabling them to have the most of their desired livelihood uh -huh. and ensuring that that process is being driven by them, with them, Excellent. for them, uh -huh. and any other actors who are willing to support that initiative that is geared towards promoting the well-being of these community uh, dwellers. Yes. That, for me, is locally-led development. Having these primary dwellers of the community to be at the center of everything that seeks to improve their livelihood. Interesting. So the way I, I, I'm, I'm getting from you is the community should be the ones that determine their own priorities and drive that change. That is paramount. I mean, that, that's what you're saying, yes. locally-led development. So, I mean, there's been a lot of conversations about this. People have said so much about getting communities to lead, etc. But where are we really on that, practically? Are you seeing a certain shift where communities are now determining their own priorities? What are you seeing in the development space? Well, the development space in this discussion, I will look at it from two spheres. Sure. There is the development space, there is a development phase that is being defined or occupied yes. by development actors. Yes. You know, civil so like NGOs, NGOs, okay. community based organizations, etc. Some of them yes. working with 
communities, mm -hmm. some of them working for communities, some of them working in communities, mm -hmm. you know, and there is the development space mm -hmm. where it is really these communities thinking for themselves. Mm -hmm. Major. So there are communities that have literal or no uh, influence or external help. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But they are, they are leading their own. They are leading their own. For example, building okay. their bridges. Right. For example, constructing one single classroom that will accommodate their pupils. Yes. Contributing resources to send selected pupils from their community to study in another community where education facilities are available. Right. And, you know, doing whatever contribution they can to have access to uh, health facilities for example, right. our other social amenities. Right. So there are these categories of, of communities that exist within this development space. And when it comes now to shifting, in terms of the development space, which has, you know, those NGOs yeah. operating to contribute to improve the well-being of local communities, the shift at this stage is more theoretical and wow. practical. So it's more of uh, intention. Intention. Yes, it's more of budget intention. But we are not. You are not seeing it practically actually up happening. Yes. Okay. Particularly because the intention is there, yet there are practices for us to be able to say locally led development is existing, thriving, and being sustained. We really need to see that freedom of communities to operate per their preferred development priorities and the liberties they want for themselves to decide on having a borehole in a position that they want, to decide whether they want a school over a health facility right. or vice versa, or to decide whether they want sanitary parts yeah. over mosquito nets. Absolutely. You know? But in several cases, you will find that what is being provided as support, you know, to some of these communities yeah. are defined by some of the NGOs. So it's already pre-packaged. It's already pre-packaged. And they will come with, they will come with male seedlings, bean seedlings, and certain <laughs> the farming communities. Yeah. Whereas these people have already made reservations yeah. for their next farming season with the best of seedlings that we harvested from their farms. And so when those elements that are being used to respond to the needs or the presumed needs of communities are not responding to the primary needs and expectations of those community dwellers, it remains rhetoric. Because we will say, we are coming, oh, they are the ones who are going to use the seedlings. They are the ones who determine yeah. what quantities of seedlings, but did they want seedlings in the, in the, the first place? Did they, are they the is that their priority? Is that their priority? And so when there are these disconnects, it definitely sh shows at this point in time that the extent to which things are shifting in favor of locally-led development needs to be interrogated further to really ensure that locally-led development is really locally-led development, one driven by community dwellers 
at the heart of a situation they have identified and they want to resolve and they are working with collaborators to resolve for themselves. Fantastic. So it looks like to me that like almost like two parties. There's the helpers and then there's the community. The helpers being those who are, are supposedly representing the community's interests. We're talking about the CSO community, whether that's local and international. Then there's the community themselves. So for the, for for us to see some fruits from this, what you said as rhetoric, mm. but to see concrete fruits, what are the things you think the helpers, what I've termed the helpers, mm. should be actually doing that they are not doing now? I think one of the key things that they need to do is to um, recalibrate their mindset. So they need to, they need to be a mindset. You know, in, in, in normal parlors, we are going to see restore themselves to factory setting and go back to the drawing board okay. and go like go with a blank slate mindset and interact with these communities you know and and spend some time and understand their way of doing understand what makes them happy understand what they call development or prosperity or prosperity and what they call riches and wealth and good health, and then in an attempt to understand that, try to appreciate from their perspective what they would want as change. How they define change. How they define change and how they want to work and contribute towards that change. Right, right. Because right. in understanding that and giving them that leadership role, that captainship, that's right. To drive that change, then we are really practicing local unit development. And Charles, I'm saying this because I have gone by road yeah. to the east of Cameroon. Yeah. The east of Cameroon, um, you know, lacks, does not have adequate social amenities. I mean, compared to the rest of the country. Con compared to. So it's one of the most deprived and deserved places in Cameroon. Okay. Not really the most, but it is deprived. Okay. And you travel in or across communities where portable drinking water is a challenge. Yes. Yet, you see, how would I describe this? Boreholes, abandoned boreholes. Oh, wow. Boreholes that have become like gardens with shrubs covering the facility. Wow. In the wet season, sometimes in the dry season, and you wonder, how did we define the positioning of this or these people's need in this eh. portable water at this point in time? Eh. I have seen that. So we were not really able to get what their felt needs were. It is very likely. Their felt needs and having them at the center of defining that need mm -hmm. and working to achieve that that particular facility. Wow. And so because of such disconnect, then yes, fine facilities will be constructed today, yeah. built, painted, you bring but, that, but, that, but they won't be used. In the near in the very near future. And then we Or when they break down. Or when they break down there's no sustainability. And so yeah. such things to me worry me. Because it simply means that those efforts that were put maybe in 2015, That's right. 2020, will need to be redone 
in 2025 and you know cost of living of cost course. of everything is going of course so you more, so you need more resources so we need more resources absolutely to respond to the same, same thing challenge we thought we had addressed 10 years ago five years ago yes. instead of you know responding to other things that could have uh, you know compounded what existed and made sure that you know the well-being of those communities um is really promoted to the extent that will really give them the happiness they desire. And so when 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 I see such things, and this is just one of many communities, yeah. you know, it 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 makes me to question, particularly today where we have a lot of sweets sounding buzzwords in some context. Yeah, of course. On locally led development is what is happening. Yeah, we need to go back to the drawing board to really question if what we say locally led development is is really what pertains. Yeah, so I mean, if you are a member of a community, your concern is you want your community to thrive, uh, you want your community to be resilient, you want to make sure that the people who live in that community have a certain quality of life. There's this assertion that many of our communities they don't accept themselves, um, they also may need a mindset shift. So, I mean, we've talked about what the helpers need to do, but the communities themselves, how do they position themselves to, to benefit from this locally-led development drive that that is being spoken about? I think the, the first thing is, do they even understand what that is? Fantastic. And what that has in store for them? I mean, the implications. The implications. Yes. You know, because if there is that basic understanding, then you will adjust to accommodate what it is coming with. In those communities, when the wet season is approaching, yes. they start making sure they buy containers yes. to fetch water and have res reserves. When the dry season is coming, which is often very cold, yes. they make sure they get the warm clothing to keep themselves warm and healthy. Or they fetch wood from forests yes. to make sure that they will have dry wood to burn and have fire that will keep them warm. So what am I saying? Based on their context, they know what they need. And they know what to do. And they know what to do in every season. Absolutely. Because they've understood the implications of the season on them. Mm, mm. So it is incumbent on us preaching and seemingly practicing locally-led development uh, action in ways that should support these communities to, like I said earlier, visit these communities, discuss with them, exchange with them, and even... A more intimate, authentic kind of engagement. Yeah, and trigger them to even tell you what locally-led development is to them. Yes, what it means to them. What it means to them, mm -hmm. and what they see as opportunities or assets they have. Absolutely. And you we build on those assets. Mm. We tap into the opportunities that they have. Sin, define, they are identified. Absolutely, that's fantastic. And coming from that angle, in doing so, we will be complementing asset-based development. We will be complementing than imposing. And when we start imposing what we think is good for them, which may not necessarily be good for them, we may be doing some kind of developmental dictatorship. I like that. So we, we don't come from a position of deficit. 
but a position of what you had as as assets. What you have, mm. what you appreciate, mm. what you can bring on board to complement, mm. and how you can really take on board whatever is coming to add on to what you have and make it blossom. I think if we do that and we don't check progress based on logical framework, we don't <laughs> check progress the usual. based on, you know, theories of change and based on compulsory impact stories in six months <laughs> or one year, yeah. then we will be shaping that development from an angle of locally led where the voices of the people in those communities that matter are the voices that are sounding and being resounded globally on the issues they are Absolutely. I usually like to end my podcast with, you know, a, a little call to action. Um, I, I think you articulated the issues so eloquent, eloquently. I'm thinking, what would be your tips? I mean, the quick tips, low-hanging fruit. Uh, message to those of us who are, are are pushing this agenda of locally led development. How how what how do you think we should make this happen? What should we be doing practically? I think it is important for us and its per context to first of all contextualize what locally led development is. Excellent. And in doing so, it's like revisiting our standpoints on locally led development and let what let that understanding and definition be recrafted with the people we wish to collaborate with or the communities we wish to collaborate with at the point in time T. By so doing, that definition, that yeah. collective understanding will already give pointers to what is expected yes. to be done by the respective actors in an effort to promote locally led development. And in doing so, we will engage in a process where we appreciate where everyone is coming from, most importantly, taking into consideration where the community stands at that point in time, what they have on board to offer to make sure that development is driven by them, yes. with them, yes, and according to their condition. Mm. It may be very difficult, but it's important. Let's begin first by redefining what locally led development is. Contextual. Contextualizing it, mm. facilitating a common understanding, mm. then identifying the assets in the communities and the opportunities in those communities and what their expectations are and whatever we are coming to support with should do some kind of a hand-in-glove marriage partnership with those assets, those opportunities that have been laid down. And whatever comes out of that should be measured, not necessarily per the sign yeah. of what we want, but by the depth of the satisfactory change that the people defined that they totally from that process. That will help us to begin from a point A to a point B, to begin from crawling to working to running. 
Excellent, excellent, fantastic. I've loved this conversation. Thank you, thank you so much, Jim, for making time to discuss this uh, important topic. And uh, I want to wish you very well with your endeavors. Thank you very much, Charles. And uh, I look forward to listening more of such interesting conversations on the podcast. Thank, thank you, you and bless you.